those of you who identify as neither, it's the moment you've all been waiting for. The moment you've been feverishly refreshing your Instagram feeds to find, laying awake at night, unable to find peace, waking up in cold sweats with anticipation today. We are talking about my years as a sorority girl and the moment that changed it all when I got kicked out. But before we get into the madness, let me take a moment to introduce myself to anybody who may be new here. Hello, my loves. Hello, my degenerate angels. This is Tales of Taboo, and my name is Ali Weiss. I am a Z-list performer and writer in downtown Manhattan with an affinity for, or rather an obsession with, the darker sides of the human experience. And by dark, I don't mean goth, dummy, although... That absolutely piques my interest as well. I mean, the stuff that we don't talk about publicly, that we don't even inquire about either because we're too ashamed or because it seems like there's just no space for it in society. Some people might and certainly have called me a shock jock, but I just think I'm curious. I'm real. Ooh, I'm real. I know you guys cannot resist an opportunity for me to sing with my Grammy award-winning voice. And unlike most podcasts, I forego the traditional interviewer-interviewee format in favor of making you, the listener, my subject. And I do this by casting anonymously every week from my Instagram stories. So the result is somewhere between church confession and the Maury Povich show. (laughs) the New York Times and the National Enquirer. And if I do say so myself, I am fucking obsessed with my show. So last week, excuse me, I did a poll asking what you guys would like to see done differently on the show. And the overwhelming response was more solo episodes like I used to do regularly on my old show, Health is Hell. And as all actors are, I am a people pleaser, and so your wish is my command. And this week, to kick off our investigation into the deep, dark depths of sororities, I am rocking up alone to chat your ear off for an hour about my own experience for the first time since launching Tales of Taboo. Without further ado, off we go. I was an alpha fee at a school in California. It was considered to be the top house on my campus in all of the most stereotypical ways. So it was very blonde, smoking hot, very skinny, um, glittery, bright, pink housewife energy. And the competing house on campus was Delta Gamma. And Delta Gamma was also hot. Um, they had a lot of dancers. They were kind of known to be the dance sorority. But unlike Alpha Phi, they were hot in a more approachable way. Less perfect noses, uh, more six-pack abs, actually, because of the dancing, but less perfect noses and certainly more brunettes. And their personalities were more overt. They were more good time gals. And these are girls who partied publicly. And of course, they got in trouble with it for it with Panhellenic. But, um, you know, I remember one instance that no one ever stopped talking about where like someone saw a, a whole bunch of these girls like twerking on a wall at a party. And so Alpha Phi girls love to call Delta Gamma's ratchet. Coming into college, I knew nothing 
about Greek life. I mean, coming from New York, I knew nothing about Greek life besides maybe what I had seen in that movie with Anna Faris, like the house bunny. And I had never in my life considered whether or not I was going to join a sorority. I went to a small school, but I think they said something like 60% of the population rushes. And so I was like, all right, if I'm going to have the kind of social life that I want to have, I have to do this. Both of my freshman year roommates were local to the area where my school was. And they both, one of them went to public school, the other went to private, but they both had uh, friends or people they knew who came to our school before them and had joined Greek life and, you know, had kind of given them recommendations and like a lay of the land before they showed up. They came to school like knowing exactly what they wanted. One of my roommates wanted Alpha Phi, the other one wanted DG, and they were going to do anything to kind of establish themselves during orientation week. I also feel like it is important to note here that both of my roommates were very attractive, very fit. One of them at the time was a professional like Olympian equestrian, platinum blonde, and one of them was six feet tall and the other one was 5'11". So at five nine and a half, bordering on 5'10", I was the shortest one out of my roommates. A, how the fuck did the three of us at six feet, 5'11", and 5'10", fit into one dorm room? Some, some things we are never meant to know the answers to. And secondly, it shocks me that we were not aware of how iconic we were at the time, how that setup looked, that like inside out Oreo cookie. And um, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that this was pre, I mean, Instagram existed, it was brand new, but this is way before personal branding on Instagram. This was way before, you know, being obsessed with taking selfies and, and being obsessed with kind of how we look in the eyes of others, dressing for the eyes of others and also the camera, like way before any sort of black mirror shit. And I'm so grateful to have lived through that time because that's an amazing example. You have three pretty, extremely tall girls with big personalities living in the same dorm room. And like none of us, you know, had that been happening today, we probably would have had 100,000 followers on Instagram, been huge on TikTok, the whole thing. And I'm very, very grateful that we were able to just be the sloppy freshmen that we were. Anyway... Rush itself was only three days. It took place over the course of a weekend. And like I said, something like 60% of the student population participated in this. And it, it was insanity looking back on it. Everything about it was insanity, the way that it was organized, the way that it works, being in these rooms with girls screaming in your face, talking to people for three minutes at a time and then saying that you had a connection. But in comparison to the stories that I've heard and the stories that you will hear next week, my rush experience really wasn't anything out of the ordinary. I mean, I had, again, no idea what I was going into. So... I, you know, I had my hair blown out and I had my nails done, but I was wearing like shit from 
random downtown New York City boutiques. Like I was on Rush Talk with the rest of you watching these girls talk about Shein and Amazon and Lily Pulitzer, you know, whatever. I so did not go to like a Lily Pulitzer school, at least not from what I saw. So I rocked up on day one in this like 1940s style, almost like corseted (laughs) dress, but I paired it with these rave shoes, these like clunky Jeffrey Campbell rave shoes. This was before I really had developed like a concrete sense of personal style. Um, I have a picture that I will definitely be posting, but you know, in a sea of blondes with fake tans wearing um, where the, f- I don't even know where these girls shopped, but like, you know, wearing, wearing the pastel palette, you know, and their naked two palettes on their eyes. Um, there I was. And then on day two, I wore this dress that I used to wear out to the club all the time. It was sleeveless and silk and it was almost like tuxedo style. So it, it had the tuxedo collar and the buttons down the front and it was short. And I paired that for rush day two with those classic Jeff free Campbell heels. You know the ones. They're like ankle boots in the material of the actual shoe. And then the heel is this huge wooden heel. So I basically wore two days of club clothes <laughs> to rush because that's what I was doing back at home. Socially, I was clubbing. And then on day three, it's prep day and it's formal. You have to wear black. God knows how I interpreted that. And I had a very easy time with the rush process. I mean, I am naturally outgoing. I've always loved meeting strangers. I'm chatty. I'm talkative. I can pull it out of thin air. I'm from New York, which like no one at my school was. And I was six foot tall in heels. And, you know, when you enter the room and everyone's shouting and singing and clapping, I was just so kind of out of my element that I started doing like really like deliberately bad hip hop dances. Which I think like warmed all of these girls to me. Um, but you know, it was like that big smile was plastered on my face, but it wasn't inauthentic. Like I wasn't smiling to make people think that I was positive. I was smiling because I was like, what the literal fuck is going on? And in, in this kind of weird way, I, I actually was like coasting on my differences to make myself appealing, but very surface level differences. Because the reality of the situation is, you know, one of the questions in the questionnaire that I asked our contributors is, do you think that you faked your way into your sorority? Do you think that they got an authentic version of who you are? And for me, I do think that I, I sold myself as something that I wasn't, or or I sold myself as one half of of what I had the potential to be. Because the truth of the matter is, I came to school with all sorts of undiagnosed mental health problems. I was so depressed. I was so anxious. I had mood swings that I couldn't control. I was still with my first boyfriend at the time. God bless his heart. He was like so tolerant of me just having no idea how to ride that roller coaster at the time. And I had undiagnosed, unmedicated ADHD. And I had been clubbing and doing club drugs from the time that I was 15. And here I was in this room with these women who are so clean and so manicured and so blonde and so deliberately trying to project the image of like, I will make the perfect California wife. And there's me being like, I've done more coke than all of you combined. <laughs> so I definitely think that I projected a a more like manicured together image. 
Um, and, and I think I also was like aware of the fact that these girls were going to think that I was like kooky enough. Like I was diversity, which is sick when you think about it. I was diversity because of where I f- was from, because of the fact that I was Jewish and because of the fact that I was like quirky. It, it's funny because on prep day, I was matched with this girl who was just like, she is beauty. She is grace. She is elegance. She was everything. She was literally a Fredericks of Hollywood model, that lingerie company. And she was an events girl for like Monster Energy. And there was a club in like a neighboring small city that a lot of events that we had at school used to be at. And she she was like, she was just a hot, polite, nice promo girl. And she looked the part. Every single thing you can imagine that goes along with that she was. And that's the person that I was matched with on PREF. And for those of you listening to this episode who don't know what PREF is, I mean, it's the last day of Rush. And the whole point of a PREF match is that you are put with somebody who is going to sell you on the house. So I actually think that I got matched very well at Delta Gamma, which was the other top house that you know, called me back on the last day, they gave me this like bubbly, effervescent actress. And she was just like a tiny little ball of fire. And, you know, I I remember asking her, is everyone in this sorority actors? Are they all dancers? Because I, I, you know, I do want to like diversify away from that. And she was just so like open and normal, not in a bad way, in a way where I was actually like, oh, it's refreshing to see that this exists within this bigger world. I felt very home with her. And on the contrary, the girl I was given for Pref at Alpha Phi was like everything that I had wanted to be. And that's what drew me to Alpha Phi over Delta Gamma, was that I saw joining a sorority as a way to put my past in my past and become a better version of myself, become somebody who, like these girls seem to, had their shit together, somebody who liked to craft, somebody who knew how to craft, somebody who wore pink rhinestone clothing and always had a manicure and always knew just what to say. And, you know, of course, like was going to be able to seduce all the guys from the hot frats, even though, like I said, I had a boyfriend at that point. I did not starting sophomore year. Um, but it, it was just this amazing contradiction where like, I look back on it and I wonder, was I different in the Delta Gamma house because I felt more at home? Because I felt like that's where the girls who were more like me were. And I felt like I could be more like myself. Whereas in the Alpha Phi house, was it more like what I thought I could level up to be? And what a shallow view thinking that being surrounded by a bunch of like really beautiful women who like sat with their legs crossed and their hands in their laps and who were philanthropic and, you know, had hot, like nice boyfriends and and did well in school. Like it's crazy to think that I could heal myself through being surrounded by that. But at the same time, there is also truth in that you do kind of become the company that you keep. And I will say that for all of the bad things that did come from being affiliated, not just with Alpha Phi, but Greek life as a whole, later on in my college experience, there are few times in life that I have felt 
that particular rush that came with coming out of whatever building we had gotten our bids in. And I think that we had to like sign to confirm it or something when you get your bid card, leaving that building and coming out into the courtyard where all of the sororities had their stations and running towards all of the members. I like literally have goosebumps right now, running towards all of the members who were screaming and crying and freaking out, so genuinely happy to see me and to see that I had chosen them and that I was happy to see them. And for me to see that they wanted me, that that I was worthy of that kind of excitement and passion and love coming from this group of just like unattainable women. And it wasn't just that I, you know, now I get to be a part of this, you know, like hot sisterhood. It was way more than that. This was my first ever experience having a group of dependable and loyal, at least in the beginning, female friends. Because all through high school, I I, still to this day, my best female friend in the world, we met the summer before my senior year of uh, high school. And before that, you know, I had gone to camp for years and I had all these really close friends, but none of my best friends lived in the state. It was always like, I I never got to see them whenever I wanted. They weren't there for me on a day-to-day basis. And I was very much a floater in high school. I told you, I, I never felt like I fit in anywhere. And so my boyfriend and I, when we started dating, we were like very codependent because he was also a floater. But I, that was my first experience of having someone where it's like, okay, I always know who I'm going to be eating lunch with. I always know who I'm going to be able to do my homework with, who I can walk home with. Like I was friends with everybody, but I was really good friends with not that many people. And all I ever wanted when I was in high school and way before that, but like middle school was a scarring shit show and that's for another episode. But all that I ever wanted when I was in high school was like a group of not just a female friend. I had that, but like a group of female friends, a squad. And so running towards this group of screaming sorority girls who were flipping out seeing me and they were embracing me and hugging me and kissing me. It was the whole thing. It was just like, oh my God, like I've come home. And the only time I have ever felt that feeling of just, you know, goosebump creating excitement, adrenaline, acceptance, being home, being where I need to be, is on the stage. In that first day of wearing my Alpha Phi t-shirt on campus, wearing those letters, getting my, my letters from my big when we did Big Little, it changes everything. It changed the way people looked at me as I walked by. It changed the way that packs of girls whispered about me in the library. It In turn, it changed the way I carried myself. It changed the way that I held my shoulders back. Unless you are also in a top house on a campus where a sorority is like everything, it's hard to explain how like magical, but also deliberately artificial that feeling is. 
And I will never forget when it came time to have like date parties and formals and my friends and I would always talk about who we're asking, especially if we weren't like actively hooking up with anybody. I had a friend who like just thought some guy was hot in her Spanish class and they had never spoken to each other. They had never spoken two words to each other in English or Spanish. And she was just like, I'm going to ask him. And none of us thought twice about that. It was just a complete stranger. And she was just like, hey, do you want to come to my date party with me? Because she knew being like, hey, do you want to come to Alpha Phi date party? The answer would immediately be yes. Nobody would turn that down. And, you know, that that artificial, like, inflated sense of um, of entitlement, but but also of just, like, being someone in society – this is another thing that I, I really chew on a lot now, having all these years to reflect, because on the one hand, it's preposterous, and it's demeaning, and it's unfair that a girl who is 18 times smarter than me, and funnier than me, and has so much more to offer, but is wearing, you know, the letters of a mid-tier house, or or God forbid, a, a bottom tier house would not be able to like feel the way about herself that I felt about myself wearing those letters. It's so toxic and it's so fucked up, but, but it's also kind of the way that the real world works. For as much as a sorority is irrelevant in the real world, we still do use these very surface level indicators to suggest to the people around us that we are meeting both like as friends, but especially romantically, these indicators of like whether or not we are desirable. I mean, think about how we judge people based on dating apps. We judge them based on their pictures. We judge them based on where they work, what they do for a living We judge them based on if there's photos of them engaging in activities that we deem cool. Ooh, he's a surfer. Ooh, he's traveling. Ooh, he's in like an all linen outfit in a souk in Morocco. Or he posts pictures with his friends. Ooh, he has hot friends. I mean, there's literally a filter on Hinge where you can only be seeing people who have like, like, like a master's degree or like a PhD. The the idea of what is cool is still in real life all so materialistic and it's so surface level. And if you ask the average guy, what what do you look for in a woman? If he's being honest, he's going to say, I want her to be hot. I want to have a good sexual connection. I want her to be like a good time and like down to like, let me do what I want with me and my boys and chill with me and my boys. Oh yeah. And it would also be great if she was like, you know, funny and smart. I'm sorry, I know this is a disgusting generalization, but it is true. And that is the same way that frat guys evaluate sorority girls at college. How is the the hierarchical system of a sorority being so appearances-based and so money-based and so like, how can you fit into this specific Western idea of what is good How is that any different from how we function as adults, averagely? And another big question that I ask myself is, if I had the chance to go back and do it all over again, 
If I had the chance to join a house where maybe there were girls with bigger personalities, maybe there were girls who were quirkier, kookier, certainly there was more diversity in their ethnic backgrounds and where they came from, you know, and what their interests were, would I join that house? And me as a 28 year old adult sitting here is like, my first inclination would be like, yeah, of course I would join that house. But if the point of joining a sorority, if you scrape away the top couple of layers is not so much about like finding a sisterhood as it is finding a place in the social sphere if I had the chance to go all the way to the top in this artificial, easy way, I can't say I wouldn't do it all over again. And that makes me feel guilty as fuck saying out loud. That makes me kind of hate myself saying out loud, but it's true. I think I still struggle with like, you know, where does most of my value lie? Does most of my value lie in my personality? Does it lie in my ability to connect with such a wide range of people? The fact that I fit in everywhere and nowhere? My curiosity, my, my interests, my, my hobbies, my habits? Or looking at the grander scope of how we function as a Western society, does my value lie in the fact that I fit into what is considered to be beautiful by Western standards, despite what many people on the internet have to say about my eyebrows? And does my value lie in the fact that I have big boobs and that I wear a size four? I I, I don't have the answer to that. Because even if I value myself in a certain way, that doesn't mean that that's how life is going to value me, especially for somebody like me who is in entertainment. That's a big demon that I still think about, both as it pertains to sororities, but also my life. Alpha Phi didn't have any hazing um, or even really anything that was like remotely abusive, but there definitely were some manipulative tactics that I think some psychologists would um, maybe stick their noses up at or try to intervene with. So after we got, um, oh my God, I can't believe I'm forgetting the word. I'm such a bad sorority girl. After we initiated, there we go. After we got initiated, um, my entire pledge class went to one of our pledge members' beach houses. And for an afternoon, we were subjected to a series of bonding exercises. And one of those bonding exercises was something called a bear talk, the the like mascot or the symbol of Alpha Phi is a bear. So if you want to do it, you go like this. And um, in this bear talk, we were asked to go around the circle, the circle being composed of a bunch of women that we did not know, um, we just shared letters with, and we were instructed to share something deeply personal, deeply intimate, deeply like troubling about our lives. And you did have the option to pass, but it was not 
encouraged. And um, I also think that, you know, when you're an impressionable 18-year-old and you've just been invited into this super exclusive organization, you you don't in any way, shape, or form, especially not that early on, want to fuck up your chances of being able to stay there. And this bear talk was intense, intense. I mean, one by one, we would go around and publicly speak to a a group of silent women. and, And people were confessing to all sorts of shit about parents being in jail, of discovering their dad's mistresses, of their dads having severe, like, drug dependency problems, but everything looks so good from the outside. Um, People talking about how their biological fathers failed them and the ways that their stepfathers stepped up for them. Um, I talked about my depression. Other girls talked about their depression. And, you know, in, in a certain way, there is something that's really um, lovely about having that release and that feeling of a safe space. But it, it was also contrived because we weren't told what we were going to do. We were just having a pledge class outing. And the next thing you know, we're at this beautiful beach house, but we're instructed to just kind of open our mouths and go. And again, like on the one hand, when you do hear all of these stories from these women, it does make you feel bound to them. It it does make you feel like you need to protect them at all costs. Um, but, But it also kind of sets up this vibe, this energy that even if you don't like a girl in the chapter, even if you don't agree with her politics, even if you don't agree with the way that she carries herself, you kind of have to be there for her or at least give the illusion that you are there for her. And this bear talk repeated um, when we went through rush training and it was just done on a much bigger scale because where that, whereas that had been done with our pledge class, during rush training, it was all 140 women that were in our chapter. And instead of going around the room and all sharing something because that would take so long, people who wanted to speak were invited to. And sophomore year was uh, the, the hardest of my life. Um, I had started to feel at the end of freshman year that maybe this school wasn't a good fit for me. And then when I came back for orientation week sophomore year, that became very, very clear. And on top of that, my boyfriend that I had been with and I were in the process of breaking up. We were exploring an open relationship long distance. Um, I started to get wind of the fact that he was hooking up with his neighbor, which was obviously very heartbreaking to me. And it just kind of felt like all of the band-aids that I had so carefully attached to myself were starting to get ripped off. And I took the opportunity to speak in front of the chapter of 140 women and talk about the the pit in my stomach and the difficulty of waking up every morning and getting out of bed and thinking about if I was you know, to die tomorrow, would anybody come to my funeral? Who would show up for me? What kind of impact have I left on people? Does anybody care? And like I was saying about 
being accepted into this sorority being my first real concrete example of like mass female friendship after i had shared this story i dove deeper into valuing being in the sorority because the women who came up to me and hugged me and held me and explained that they had experienced similar things it was this very interesting contradiction between all sorts of forcedness and and materialism and value placed on on the wrong things but having that sense of being backed up in life especially being backed up by a bunch of beautiful women who really seemed like they had their shit together i mean there's there's no I was going to say there's no price tag for that for, but there was because my sorority was very expensive and dues were very expensive so there was a price tag on that and all through sophomore year having that community of women was instrumental in me surviving the year I mean at this point I was seeing my therapist twice a week I was missing class constantly. I was in the dean's office constantly having to get letters excusing my absences because otherwise I would have had Fs in these classes for how much I missed. And having these parties and and these formals and even these, you know, formal meetings at the end of every week, just kind of having these tent poles really gave me um a purpose and and knowing that I was supported by these women who I had tried so hard to to want to kind of match up to gave me, you know, a, a shred of hope that could kind of pull me out of the light at the end of the tunnel. So I'm trying to think about when things started going south for me. And I think it was when my boyfriend and I really broke up. So that this summer before my junior year is when things really fell apart for us. And I kind of came to understand how severe his his relationship was that he had kind of created behind my back. And I was like, okay, you need to get the fuck out of my life. And this was me not only losing someone I had dated for three years, but someone who had been my best friend too. And so that, you know, like I had spent a year already depressed at school, but now there was just like nothing left there. And um, I was also, when I got back to school, dealing with my first little um, suffering from drug abuse problems and becoming really erratic and not the same person that I had grown to know and love. And she ended up being taken out of school to go to rehab. And, you know, the older you get in an organization like this, you start to wonder like, who the fuck are these girls who are my age or younger to tell me what to do? Who is this random girl who got this position to tell me that like I can't attend a formal even though my parents have paid so much money for me to be a part of this organization because like I didn't complete community service hours that everybody is botching. And on top of that, during rush training my junior year, um, I, I also just got very fed up with kind of the rhetoric that was being given to us about what we're supposed to look for in a potential new member. And I, I will never forget this girl who really rubbed me the wrong way. I mean, she was psycho. Her eyes like bugged out of her head. But she was talking about, you know, when you're getting to know a girl, you should ask them about school and their GPA and their extracurriculars and basically how good they look on paper. And despite 
what these girls may have thought about the way that I looked, period, when I was going through Rush. I know that I was not an amazing candidate on paper. I mean, I botched high school. I had a terrible GPA. I did not do well in school. I know that through stalking me on Facebook before Rush, these girls saw my party pictures. They saw me at raves. They saw me in the club. They knew that I was not the perfect model of what a Southern California housewife was supposed to look like. And yet they saw something in me anyway. And I felt compelled to start raising my hand and kind of fighting um, these rules that we were being given in terms of determining a girl's value or determining her worth. And I was also bringing in some um, exercises that I had learned in acting classes about, you know, authentic connection and authentic bonding, because as you know, anyone in a sorority knows, there's so much emphasis on How do you make a really authentic connection with somebody in three minutes? Well, you don't. You don't make an authentic connection with that Rashi in three minutes, especially not if you're being fed the idea that what you're supposed to look for is like how pretty a girl is and how she looks in her outfit, what her dad does for a living. And, you know, if you guys like the same color of Essie nail polish. So in an attempt to kind of aid this, I started guiding my whole chapter through, um, you know, very intense, like connectivity exercises that I would learn in theater school about having to look into each other's eyes and sit back to back and breathe and share a deep secret of something that you've never told anyone with someone. Again, emotionally manipulative tactics. Yes, that's also what you get in theater school. But I was like, if we stand any chance of wanting to to not just be seen as a bunch of anal Barbies, we need to learn how to connect authentically. And I really started rubbing the higher ups the wrong way. I started rubbing them the wrong way way before this too. I mean, people were very aware of the fact that I liked to smoke weed, that I had a loud mouth, that I was not somebody who liked authority. I've never liked authority. So on a much smaller scale, even before I started raising my hand in rush school and being like, this is bullshit, um, I was kind of flagged as one to watch. And I I just, I commanded a lot of attention. And I, I know that they knew that if I said stuff, people would listen to it. And oh my God, I will never forget going back to sophomore year when we had our like rush chair or whoever it was, um, kind of lecture us for the first time about what to expect in the process. And she was talking about how there's dry rush. So for orientation week, you're not supposed to drink. I don't know why this is a thing. I think it has partially to do with like setting a good example for incoming freshmen, even though all these freshmen want to do is drink and have a good time. But we weren't allowed to drink. So it's dry rush. And I remember her being like dry rush is also high rush. And like everybody in the room turned to look at me because she kind of set it in my direction. And I was known to be an out and proud weed smoker because unlike the people from Southern California, coming from New York City, you smoke a lot of weed in high school. So that kind of thing. And then when I started running my mouth about how I didn't like the way that the organization was run, I think that's really when shit started to hit the fan and behind the scenes, people were like, okay, we need to get her out. So my chapter was put on probation 
after we got um, our pledge class that year when I was a junior because the head of Rush had arranged for the water polo team to come and give these girls lap dances in their Speedos, which is funny and fun and light. But one of the new members called sexual harassment and we ended up having to go through Title IX training. And I don't know if you guys know how serious Title IX training is, but like that's training if you go through if, if there's been like an actual sexual harassment, uh, uh, you know, pointing of fingers in, in, in a workplace or an organization. And this girl called sexual harassment. And this was pre way pre me too way pre this kind of becoming run of the mill it it was not run of the mill or as enforced to have to go through this stuff at the time and we got slapped with sexual harassment i went to a small school everyone heard about it and we were put on very serious probation and as part of probation again we were kind of banished to perfect housework housework oh my god housewife stepford wife Material, um, you know, really just again trying to maintain that image, especially when everybody around campus was thinking that we were, I don't, touching girls. I have no idea. Um, but big little spoils. Part of the fun is gifting your little amongst all the carefully, you know, crafted boxes and lip glosses and candies. People always give fun things, condoms and cigarettes and alcohol. And this was all very run of the mill. And I knew that everybody was doing it. And um, I gave my little a box that had those things in it. Um, This was my new little, not the one who was in rehab. Um, I had another one who ultimately also went to rehab. Uh, That's probably for a different time. I had a fascinating Greek family uh, composed entirely of campus-wide, notorious, beautiful party girls. I'm actually going to pat myself on the back. Very proud of that one. Uh, Maybe I'll do a little little bonus bonus blurb about that. But I gave her that box, and I guess that um, one of the girls who was a senior in Alpha Phi and was also kind of, you know, very hands in her lap, polite, uh, follows all the rules, she was, you know, spoiling a little that lived in the same dorm room as mine did, and her little somehow ratted me out to her big after, like, spoils was finished and this girl was like yes we finally have something to to get Allie Weiss with and so I was called into standards and they asked me they were like did you gift alcohol and you know condoms to your little and I said you know what I am going to be honest. I have been preaching honesty for the past couple of months. I have been preaching that I want more authenticity and openness within this chapter. I'm not going to sit in front of you and lie to your face about what I did, as I know a lot of other people in this position would. Instead, I'm going to tell you the truth. Yeah, I did give her those things. And um, I kind of plead at the end, pled pled at the end of it? Yeah, at the end of it, saying that, you know, I really want to be in this chapter. This chapter has meant a lot to me. It's carried me through some of my most difficult times. Um, I really hope that you can overlook this and realize how many other girls are doing the same thing. I apologize. If you want to ban me from going to date party or formal, that's fine. I find out that same night that I have been kicked out. 
and um, they give me a choice. They're basically like, we would prefer it if you step down. If you tell people that you chose not to be in Alpha Phi anymore, otherwise, like, you are kicked out. And I was like, no fucking way am I going to pretend like I stepped down from being in this organization when you guys kicked me out. Are you serious? So I go home. I'm devastated. And let me tell you, getting kicked out of my sorority was probably the biggest heartbreak I've ever experienced, more so than with any relationship that I've had or even like unrequited love. And I think that's because there are bonds that exist amongst female friendships that are much stronger than within romantic relationships. And this group of women like I said, was the first mass group of girls, this large group of girls I had that backed me up. It was the first time I had ever had a a crew, a squad, a clique, a whole bunch of people that I knew that I can always call on. And I had felt so valued up until that point as a member of the community. And to, to have that rug pulled out from underneath me And to hear rumors of the fact that it was not because of what I actually did, but because the girls who were higher up didn't like the way that I represented the organization because I was authentic and real. And to hear that I had been framed as hazing my little and making her do coke like this is what happened what happened happened that i told you about but the rumors started swirling and i think that what must have happened is once her roommate told her future big the big was like okay let's like dump more scandalous gossip into this not just that she was gifted an inappropriate bottle of cheap booze but let's say she got hazed let's say Allie Weiss big personality Allie Weiss was forcing her to do things that she didn't want to do and the next thing you know there was a rumor going around that I was like forcing her to do coke and that I was hazing her and making her uncomfortable. And I adored this girl. I still adore this girl. I would never do anything like that. And to hear that this group of women who knew about my history not having female friends and were so open and supportive and loving towards me after I talked for the first time about my journey with depression To have that all taken away because I didn't fit into the perfect mold of what a member of our organization was supposed to be, well, I thought that's why you wanted me in the first place. That heartbreak, that feeling of violation, and that feeling of being dropped at a moment's notice after being made to feel like the most important person in the world, and having girls that you thought were your friends go behind your back and say really slanderous things about you and to also be fed this narrative that if you're in this organization if you're in this chapter we're all sisters even if you don't know each other that well we're all sisters because we share these letters okay well 
you just kicked me to the curb. How does that work out? And, you know, once I kind of got past my hysteria and the crying and and the feeling of just being so low, I, I called my Greek family to the house. And I told them all what had happened. Obviously, everybody was freaking the fuck out. And I wasn't there, so I don't know exactly what happened. But my big, who was a senior at the time, and was also, you know, had a bigger personality than I did and was known to be somebody who did whatever the fuck that she wanted whenever she wanted to. And she was a natural brunette. She had gone to platinum and then platinum somehow turned into purple. So I think she had purple hair, like a kind of silvery purple hair at this point. She went to formal meeting and, you know, informal meeting, everyone is wearing their black dresses and it's very silent. It's very serious. And we do culty rituals. And in the middle of the president talking, and by the way, the president was like the antithesis of me. She was so anal, had such a stick up her ass, was such a goody two shoes, colored inside the lines, was like, this is sorority is like, it's everything to me. It's the most important thing in the world. As she was talking, my big stood up. And apparently rambled a bunch of jumble that nobody could understand. And then at the end of it screamed, fuck you, fuck yourself, and um, ran out of the room in the middle of a silent formal meeting, which is pretty iconic. So that happened. And then at that point, everybody in the room was chattering about what the fuck was that about? What happened? What happened? What happened? Then the rumor started spreading. Oh, my God. Allie Weiss got kicked out. Allie Weiss got kicked out. What did she do? Did she haze? Blah, 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 blah. And I sent an email to the entirety of my chapter, all 140 women, explaining from my side of the story what went down. And oh my God, it was nuts. Wait, what, do I have this email still? I still have the email. I found it in my college. <gasps> the title of this email was a couple of words from the source, an email worth reading. And here is what I said in the email. To my former sisters of Alpha Phi, a chapter that once felt like a real home away from home. The past 24 hours have been some of the roughest of my life. I have been confused and numb and crying hysterically as the rug that provided me with comfort 3,000 miles away from home was pulled out from under me with absolutely no warning or chance to say goodbye. I feel so fortunate that I have an unbelievable support system curated in Alpha Phi that rushed to my side and, occasionally in their own special way, that was obviously a nod to my big telling the president to go fuck herself, stood up for me at a time where I have never felt more knocked down. It is clear to me that the Judiciary Board is eager to erase all traces of my membership. I no longer have access to any of our Facebook groups, emails, have been removed on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, etc. And I'm hoping that these final words will not only clarify my situation, but ensure that my time with you in Alpha Phi, the positive moments, will not be entirely erased from your minds. Oh my God, this is so melodramatic. On Sunday, November 24th at 12 p.m., I was called into a judiciary board meeting concerning allegations that I hazed my new little and put her into an uncomfortable situation situation through having a bottle of wine and a few other legal things delivered to her room on night two of spoil week. These nighttime deliveries were conducted separately from spoils drop off with the intention of showering my little in gifts in light of her upcoming birthday. For any of you who don't know her, 
Allie, my little's name was also Allie, is one of the most incredible young women I have ever met. She is intelligent beyond her years, beautiful but humble, strong in the face of intolerable pain, quick-witted, and most importantly, honest and always true to herself. She is worthy of being spoiled far beyond the four days that Alpha Phi conducts, and God smite me down right now if I ever attempted to put that special girl in danger. Allie, you're a light in my and many others' lives. During my J-board, I was 100% honest, which sadly appears to be the wrong thing to do in our chapter. I apologized relentlessly for my retrospect realization that the time frame for such gifts was inappropriate, discussed my Quaker education that taught me to value the idea of community over everything, suggested making a public apology in front of our entire chapter and helping to spread some much-needed awareness. I even understood that social probation may be necessary. My ideas were received by seemingly accepting and warm nods of agreement. Three mere hours later, I got an email telling me, in bold type, that my membership in Alpha Phi was to be terminated immediately, and one member of the board even suggested that I lie to my Greek family about it. I was banned from coming to meeting, and that was that. Because I will never be able to conduct a bonding exercise in a meeting again, I wanted to take the time to tell you how special you all are, regardless of whether or not you choose to use what you were given in the right way. That time during Polish that I was able to stand in front of the room and night after night help you all realize your potential was one of the most unique and heartwarming experiences I have ever had. Oh my fucking God, you guys, what? Through all the tears we fought, fears we conquered, and bonds we made that we never thought possible, I went home every night being so unbelievably grateful to be a part of this chapter. Each and every one of you blew my mind every single day. And when I struggled deeply with depression last year... My testimonial was the first step I took to lead myself to recovery, because I trusted you. It was everything I thought a sorority wouldn't be when I first came in freshman year. Uplifting, encouraging, accepting. Now I just feel naive and very sad. I'm still waiting for an explanation as to why, after everything you all and I have been through together, this happened to me specifically when many of you found yourselves in similar situations during this year's spoils. I question the extreme favoritism within this chapter. However, throughout my life, I have come to realize that attacking others or trying to find someone to blame will ultimately lead nowhere. So instead, I'm going to use this experience to learn even more about myself. I just want everyone to know that I'm still me. I'm still the girl who wears wacky clothes to meetings and is loud and loves to talk and get to know new people. New girls, if you're interested in becoming friendly, please don't be afraid to reach out. Thank you to everyone who supported me throughout this difficult time, and I would encourage those who do not share my point of view to not bully or shut others down for being different. It's been one hell of a run, and I, oh, and then the new president who I'm not going to name, I believe in you. So much love, Allie. Oh my God, you would have thought that somebody died. Holy shit. Okay, so the best part of this entire thing is that after I sent out that email, various members of the chapter started replying all to all 140 members saying, this is a blasphemy, pointing fingers at specific girls that they thought were responsible for what went down, both with our like probation and the sexual harassment stuff, and also with spoils and me getting kicked out. 
one girl i remember she wrote in she was like y'all if you think what ali did was bad you should go south of the mason dixon line and it was like dozens of girls came forward being like fuck this organization it's so fake we don't practice what we preach so this wildly overdramatic email that i sent to my entire chapter actually started like a chapter-wide burn book which is kind of iconic um and then of course like all of my small campus heard about this you would have thought that like i had a brain tumor or something with the way that people were coming up to me being like oh my god are you okay it's like yeah i'm fine but part of the reason why this email was so melodramatic aside from what i told you about how important this chapter was to me with like my mental health stuff and the female friendship is that greek life was such a big part of my existence at school of everyone's existence at my school because it was such a large chunk of the population so somebody getting kicked out oh my god oh my god unheard of this was like not something that happened on this scale and then god knows how many people forwarded that email to everybody they knew i'm like desperately trying to look uh for responses here i can't find them right now but if i can find them i will post them (laughs) In the beginning of uh, of the next semester, I went abroad. And when I went abroad to London, that's when I really became who I am today and realized that sororities mean shit in the grand scheme of things. And I actually became closer to frats my senior year, being a GDI, a goddamn independent, which is like so looked down on. Um, I became closer and like found a group of really amazing male friends um, through not being affiliated and still went to their formal in Lake Havasu and had inappropriate sex with somebody who was two years younger than me. Um, And again, that's for another time. So there you have it. The princess of taboos most taboo confession is that she actually did not mind her years as a sorority girl, that they were actually pretty fucking enriching and important until they were the worst things ever. And yeah, of course, I look back and I laugh at the ridiculousness of a lot of it. I laugh at, you know, me doing the symbols and wearing the outfits and flipping my hair. But at the end of the day, we're all nuanced people. And, you know, I, we're going to have an ongoing debate for the next couple of weeks about the ethics of sororities and whether or not they should be abolished and if what they stand for has lasting power. But I, I think it's wrong and inaccurate to say that any of us need to fit into a box. You know, you don't have to either be a sorority girl or a goddamn independent. You don't either have to be somebody who thinks that it's an amazing idea to have sororities or think it's a terrible idea. I mean, you can have mixed views. The truth is, I look back on my early years as a sorority girl with so much fondness and my late years with so much distaste. And I think both can coexist in the same space. So I'm very excited for the next couple of weeks of programming that we have coming up. We have some very special guests, high profile ones, to talk about their own experiences in sororities. And of course, we have your confessions talking about all the nasty ass shit that went on behind closed doors with your rush process and otherwise. As I bug you every week, you guys, if you enjoyed this show or you at least tolerated it 
please leave me a rating and a review on iTunes. It literally takes 20 seconds and it's extremely helpful to me. Share the show with somebody you think might enjoy it better yet. Share it with somebody that you fucking despise whose life you want to ruin. If you have questions, comments, complaints, hate notes, love letters, you can send those all to AllieWeissWorld at gmail.com. You can also DM them to me on Instagram at AllieWeissWorld, although my DMs are a mess because of casting. So if you really want to get in touch with me, the easier thing to do is to send me an email. I love you all so much. Despite the fact that this week was a solo episode, this show, as you know, is not possible without you, not just your listenership, but your participation. Viva Tales of Taboo. We got something good here, guys, and I'm so fucking excited to see what happens going forward. I love you. See you next week. Bye. Bye.